0: hey friends thank you for pressing play and tuning into women in transition i am your host tia davidson and you're invited to join me every week for transparent storytelling about life love and business get ready to laugh to feel inspired and challenged to get out of your comfort zone we are all adjusting to this world of perfection experts doing it for the gram When in real life, we're just out here trying to figure out what to do and how to do it. Hang on to our adult relationships, find the balance between side hustle and nine to five, and adjust to our new identities in marriage and parenthood. Each episode, I will help you see the growth and possibility in what's next. Are you in position for the next transition? Let's get into the show. I believe in me and where I am right now. Welcome back to Women in Transition with Tia Davidson. I am your host, and today I have a friend of mine joining me by the name of Elizabeth Antoinette, who I've literally known half of my life, and we'll get into that. But she is the author behind a book of poetry about the progression of a relationship between friends and lovers called I Can't Sleep Because of You, Thoughts of a Love Struck Insomniac. You can get that on Amazon today. She also just turned 30 and launched her book at the same dang time and refers to the book as the graveyard of her past relationships. We're going to break that down and also get to know Liz as a single millennial woman who has her own transitions with love in real life and how she took her experiences of love to create a book that takes us on a roller coaster of love that she says we should all experience at least once in a lifetime. Liz, please tell the people who you are as a woman in transition.
1: Hello, everybody. I am Elizabeth Antoinette. Um, I am a woman in transition because of a lot of things, actually. Um, I would say, first of all, I am the director of talent management for Pellissippi State Community College here in Knoxville, Tennessee. I've been working in training and development for the last about 12 years. Um, This is actually a job I started in January of this year before we were all um, sent home because of the (laughs) COVID-19, but this is a dream job for me. So that's one part of my transition to be working um, in my career, my dream job. And then the next part is I have been working in journalism since I was in my teens. And now I am a published author. I also started my own editing and publishing company last year. The name of that company is called the Director of Creativity, LLC. I have been editing for folks for years, but I decided to go ahead and create a business.
0: So I got a lot going on at one time, if
2: you can say yes.
0: that. Yes, <laughs> you do. Oh my gosh. And I can't wait to get into that. I would definitely like to start with telling the people how I know you. And me and you met in middle school, seventh grade. We were in class together, literally from seventh grade to 12th grade. I remember you being shy and and you were like the youngest person in our class because you're like super duper smart and you skipped a grade. And then we end up going to college together. You were in my wedding and like, here we are still friends today. (laughs) Yep. It's been a long journey together. It's been a long journey. And speaking of you writing for people and editing, <laughs> you know, for people, you literally used to do that in college. I know you were like my go-to person when it comes to editing anything. And which is why I even made you be the, the person to speak <laughs> at my wedding. <laughs> <laughs> this has been your thing. It's male. My whole life, Literally. Yes, how did you even get into writing? Like um it's your I was that started
1: back from when I was a little girl. I went to Lester Demonstration School and we had something called writing to read. So they were really big on comprehension. And so I was first published when I was six years old in the commercial appeal down in Memphis. Um that was my first time being published. I did this cartoon with this little write-up with it. And then I wrote for Tina Peel, Memphis, um, all through high school. Then I wrote for The Daily Beacon at the University of Tennessee. Um, so writing has literally just been a part of me my entire life. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't, Yeah, it's just me. I, I just, and um, that's the easiest way for me to express myself. I think you know me, you yes. know, a lot more than others. I'm not the easiest expressing myself verbally. But writing is my thing. I can express myself any
0: way that I need to through uh through written word. Yes, and it's very clear in this book, which is the poem. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into this current transition that you're in. You just turned 30. Yes, ma'am. Now, in February. Yep. So who were you in your twenties and who do you see yourself to be in your 30s? Okay, Whew. that's a that's loaded question. I know, right? In my 20s,
1: boy, I was having a good time. Um, so <laughs> I think you can say in my, in my early 20s, I was one of those like single and ready to mingle, like having a really good time. But if I really think about how I got there, I had experienced my first real heartbreak. Like I got down to a size zero. Uh, in my early 20s that's oh how heartbroken I was uh, my my grades were effective. we were back at UT I was ready to go back to Memphis <laughs> like I was oh sad God. I was sad. love sick yes for real for real and my mother uh she gave me some advice and she was like never make a decision based off of your emotions because I'm for real I wanted to give up you know yeah my first real heartbreak and after that, I got more focused in school and I went back to literally just having fun and pursuing my personal goals. I wasn't looking for a relationship, I was having fun. And I'm gonna be honest, I hurt a couple people along the way, but I also, you know, got hurt sometimes too in the process. Um, but ultimately, settling down was not on my mind.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I was having a good time. Um, but now, that I'm in my 30s I'm in a totally different headspace. Um, you know, back then I didn't care about like ghosting people or being a quote-unquote player and you know, I was kind of mean. I I would say um <laughs> you know, you get into that space where you want to have fun and protect yourself. Of course. But now I'm older and I don't even open myself up to play around like that because I really don't even, I don't even want to hurt people because I know how that feels. And I'm like, why would I hurt somebody on purpose? Um, And then, so I kind of look at it as even if I'm attracted to somebody, attracted to someone and I know what he can turn into, I don't even entertain it. (laughs) So, so, So I
0: think that's the biggest difference in 30 year old Liz
1: and 20 year old Liz.
0: Oh my gosh. And you're single right now, right? Yeah. I got to check because, you know, things, you know, it's been quarantined and people, you know, been (laughs) sliding back in people's inboxes (laughs) and things. So I got to make sure relationship status is the same. So being 30 and single, what's that like dating today? Even though you kind of being robbed of the experience low key because of the quarantine, like you can't, you know, February, then like March happened. And that's when I think all of this stuff started happening. But what, even if you don't have any experiences right now with you know what that's like, like being thirty now and single, what do you imagine that to be like? Um, what for are you my, looking for, and you know, self? I am one of
1: those folks who I date through friendships. Really, mm-hmm. I'm not. Uh, I'm not somebody who likes to. Um,
0: like have a type or a list or yeah, anything like that.
1: Yeah. I don't do that. I'm I'm more of a vibes and friendships. And if we're going to have a good time, does it lead to something else type situation? Yes. Um, I don't say, I won't go into the cliche that I'm going to go with the flow type person,
2: mm-hmm. but
1: sometimes you can see if something is going to progress. So right now I've been enjoying, uh, I would say friendships that I have, uh, you know, with the friends quote
0: unquote that I have yeah when you say you're a person that goes with the vibes you know I instantly kind of think about the women out there who may be you know the the women who love love you know when you go off the vibe it's like everybody's a vibe you know to a certain extent so how do you even control (laughs) yes how do you even control like the vibe and not like just falling for anybody who either is like you're attracted to off the bat like how do you get to know these people a a step further than maybe like a surface thing
1: that's a good question I think it's for me it's being observant I just was having this conversation with somebody the other day it's like am I comfortable in your presence can you um can I relax around you for me myself my entire life, I've been the leader, I've been in control.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't
1: have an opportunity to kind of be vulnerable and relax. but when I'm around you, you know, can I sit in the car and let you drive without having to pop up and check and see if I'm, am I comfortable? You know, can I trust you to make the decision when we go out and go places? You know, when I'm talking to you about something that's important to me, are you listening to me? Are you helping me uh, make solutions? are you attuned to what I'm saying? Those type of things, I think, um, for me, like I said, I'm observing. So I may not mention it to you, but I'm definitely watching and listening.
0: Oh my gosh, that's so mature. And that was was some gems for somebody out there for sure. (laughs) (laughs) So when you were 19, how did you view turning 30 in general, not just of love and relationships but in general i know when i was 19 i just thought 30 year olds were old and i just felt like you know you should just have your life all the way together by 30 and now that i'm 30 about to be 31 you know of course i'm not singing that same tune so (laughs) the same thing for myself Actually, when I was
1: 19, that's when I was in uh, the relationship where I thought I was going to get married. So I was thinking about 30, we probably would have had a couple of kids. I'll be working in mm-hmm. journalism. Um, you know, and like like you, 30 seemed old at that time. Like it seemed forever yeah. um, for, forever away. But I thought I was going to be settled in this life that this other person wanted for us. You know, that's mm-hmm. that's what 19 looking at 30 look like for me that this life that this person kind of sold is going to be like this is going to be us at 30 um Mm -hmm. now it's here and some days i'm like am i old
0: or am i young how did it get here so fast like (laughs) right (laughs) like where did my 20s go (laughs) now for real so technically by society standards, you should be married or considering kids right now. And I know you just said when you were 19, that's where you kind of felt like you would be. How do you feel about not being there right now? And are you even considering like, are you making that like a plan of action now or being more cautious or trying to put in effort to make that happen soon for you right now?
1: Yeah. Um. So I think, It's only natural as a woman for me to think about marriage and kids. And of course, you know, there are people around me um, who are married and, you know, my friends and things at certain ages, you know, everybody starts settling down. So that's definitely where I am. Mm-hmm. all of my friends are two to three years older than me. So that's like the trend at this point. Mm-hmm. And then you have your older aunts and stuff asking it every time you go to family get get togethers. So yeah, <laughs> you bet. know sometimes it can be annoying, but to be honest with you, it's not a driving force for me. Um number one, my mother has never been uh someone who's pressured that, you know, put that pressure on me. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of she's one of those people who is uh kind of inspiring and instrumental in some of the decisions that I make, um, but she's never been that way. And Then secondly, I have an older cousin who I've kind of always looked up to, and she was very career-driven, much of her 20s and 30s, and then right about like 35 or 36, she slowed down. She ended up marrying a nice guy. They had a very low-key wedding. She had a son at 38, and then if you see here recently in um, like the media, there are many women having kids at 38, 39, well into their forties. And so for me, it's like, once I saw that, I was like, Whoa, okay. I can keep pursuing my personal goals mm-hmm. and whenever marriage and kids is supposed to happen, it'll happen. You mm-hmm. know, cause I want it to be organic. Um, so when people ask me, I almost feel like, okay, do you want me to just go find somebody and ask him or do you want to ask me? So I feel like in the meantime, I can build myself up to be a, a comfortable partner. So I'm not pressed for those things, but, you know, you know, I'm open to it when it's supposed to supposed to
0: happen for me. Right, right. But as a single person and seeing, you know, like you said, like most of your friends are at that stage, it's kind of like the thing that's happening now and they're getting married and you're seeing it on the timeline and everything like that. Do you think that if you were in a relationship right now that you would, I don't know, be low key pressuring your significant other right now because y'all are together and that's where you kind of like see yourself being right now in life or you think you still be like, um, I'm good because I'm still focusing on my career <laughs> and yeah, if it happened, it happened.
1: No, I still want it to be organic. Um, And the reason why I say it, because I have so much input into the people around me, and I see uh, marriages, and I get a chance to see people in motherhood and fatherhood, and people are genuine and honest enough with me to say, take your time and let it happen when it's supposed to happen. Like, I appreciate people who are transparent enough to say, don't rush it. And so for me, I'm like, okay, cool, Yeah. No rush it. Thank you. And you know, so even if I was in a serious enough relationship to that, I still wanted to be organic. I wanted to happen in the time and space that it's supposed to happen.
0: Yes, 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes. I agree. I agree. Like it's you know not- me, I am move to the beat of my own drum. For sure. For sure. I know, but the people, the people need to know because somebody's <laughs> out there pressuring some man and we need to know it's okay baby yes it's okay we got it's all right we got we got plans you know we're doing something else because that's how I feel right now about kids like you said like you have un shoot my own mama pressuring (laughs) me to have kids and I'm like uh no that's like not what I'm on right now I'm really kind of focused on you know doing my own thing and pursuing my dreams and my goals and you know, even to that point, do you view marriage and motherhood as kind of like a stopping point to your dreams and goals? Um, no, that's a good question. I've actually
1: been thinking about this and I think that, you know, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow or next year, but Mm -hmm. I think that for me, when it happens, I think it'll become like a cruising point, you know, like I think I'll still be doing like the editing and the publishing and probably still working and training and development. But I think I will be more at a point in my career where I'm not working as hard because I will be a mother. I will be a wife, but I will be, you know,
0: Settled into what, what it is that you You want to do.
1: Right. Like right now I'm like grinding. Mm -hmm. But I think that if I set up a foundation right now, by the time I am entering into that, particular transition it'll almost be a little bit easier because i will have set a foundation for myself so now i can take off a little bit more time because i've invested so much into this career you know i'll have maybe an employee or two to help me out with some things because yeah. i have set up this company or whatever that's how that's how i foresee it for myself
0: yes no i love that i love that and that's true that's very true it's kind of like you're setting things up now so that when that time comes and when you're in that space then it's just easier to manage
2: it's not like you
0: neglected you know your dreams or your goals you just kind of like created a path and that takes creating a plan so that's good because a lot of people don't even plan you know they just fall into these things and it sounds like you have a plan yeah and but you know
1: If I think about it or it's kind of like one of those things where because life has taken me down the path that it has, I had the opportunity to plan. You get what I'm saying? Yes. If I think about it, had I got married at 19 and had Mm -hmm. kids the next couple of years, my conversation with you today may be totally different.
0: Of course, of course. And speaking of that, how has your past experiences with relationships and friendships motivated you to do better in your 30s? Um, that's
1: a that's a good question. So I think I've grown up tremendously because of my past experiences. Um it's easy to be bitter about things, um, but I'll say I am definitely still a work in progress, but I'm open to things like forgiveness and empathy and understanding. When I was a teenager, I, I dealt with things like anger by spazzing out. And then in my 20s, I dealt with things by holding it in. Mm. And what I realized with both of those choices are negative expressions. So I'm learning how to actually face what I'm feeling. Because I'm, I'm a person who I, I'll run from my feelings. Like, like
2: <laughs> my
1: body is like, how are we feeling today? I'm like, I don't know.
2: <laughs> whatever
1: on to the next right so I'm yeah. learning face it I'm learning also how to speak up about things even when they're uncomfortable and trying to find to find a way like to say things without hurting the other person mm. um, like I said I'm definitely a work in progress but I'm trying to figure out how to be self-aware and make adjustments to what the past has actually taught me um and I'll even say I've been able to reach that by kind of having hard conversations with people that I cut off in the past like blatantly cut off and revisiting my feelings and revisiting their feelings not to rekindle anything but to mm. explain myself if they allow me to and also to allow them to explain themselves and try to understand from their perspective too and doing that I've been able to reestablish some connections that matter to me um like I said everybody's not open to that and that's cool too For But sure. Um, that's totally different than how I used to be because I'll cut you off in a heartbeat and and walk by you like I never knew.
0: you. Right, right. I mean, you still got to cut some people off too if they, they ain't got the good energy or they're not coming from a good place. But I think that's very mature and very good for you to go back into those relationships that I'm guessing maybe you played the part in. Um, you know, letting it go or like you saying cutting them off and yeah, those,
1: those that matter. Let me be clear
0: with you. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> be clear, girl, be clear. <laughs> um, so that that I think that's very mature, like just listening, you know, to you and how you talk about that. I think that's very important to do. So what have you learned from past relationships? to help you understand what you need and what you want in terms of a relationship in your thirties?
1: Um, one thing for sure I understand about myself is that I don't want to be with anyone that I'm afraid of communicating with. Um, Mm. you know, like I told you earlier, you know, me, I'll write something all day. Yes. Yes. I have, um, I don't know why, you know, I used to be extremely shy. People still don't believe I say that, but, (laughs) Yes. It's hard for me to communicate difficult feelings, and I think I've learned in relationships that you have to be able to open up your mouth and say what's going on, and I feel like I've been with people who didn't give me, you know, the freeway or the green light to open up, and I felt afraid to tell them how I was feeling. Mm -hmm. So I know that's one thing I'm not dealing with ever again. Another thing I've learned is to be, is to uh, believe anybody who says they're not ready for a relationship. Mm. word, um, <laughs> word. Believe them, what well, Maya, I just said, uh, One major thing I wrestle with, but I'm encouraged by, and I try to uh, share with others, is also let people be who they are. Uh, yeah. Sometimes we try to make excuses for, or talk somebody out of who they truly are, mm-hmm. and then we, we get, become upset with their choices. But I've learned that once you accept somebody for who they are, you can either stick around and let them be, or you can leave. And then if you stick around, you know, you guys can support each other in their growth. But I think that when you try to pretend like somebody's not who they are, you end up disappointing yourself. Um, Talking about disappointments, I've also learned that we play a part in our own hurt when we avoid red flags and make passes for things we're not okay with. And so, you know, we can be upset with other people, but we have to accept the blame in our roles, too, in our own hurt.
0: For sure. Speaking of hurt, <laughs> what was a significant relationship that taught you the best part of love and the worst part of love? Because it sounds like, you know, we're talking about past relationships, what you learn and, you know, a lot about the past experiences, what specific Relationship taught you the best part of love and the worst because in your book you talk about both, so yeah here's um let
1: me see, so I'm gonna be a little bit petty okay <laughs> I'm gonna be a little bit petty. But, um, I'm not gonna give any one person the glory and say oh this particular relationship so, okay, okay uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna pick one person, but I will say um. I actually had two significant relationships that showed me the best part of love so in those relationships um it kind of was a situation where it was being with my best friend who was my lover and um you know being with somebody who loved me back and it Mm -hmm. was unconditional we planned a future together they accepted me for me i accepted them for them flaws and all it just happened to be that time literally was not on our side and, mm-hmm. and the worst relationship or the worst part of love um i was taught in that situation uh not to let stuff slide that i wasn't okay with not to fall
0: for the but he has potential lies that we tell ourselves mm-hmm. oh that potential girl falling in love with potential i did a whole blog post <laughs> on that one
2: so
1: much. But it's like, what are you doing right now, honey? Exactly. And then um also <laughs> their relationship told my told taught me not to let lust lead me in choosing a partner. And um mm.
2: and
1: yeah, that was ooh, not a good thing. And then lastly, <laughs> that relationship taught me when the Lord says let something go, you need to let it go. Capital L-E-T-I-T-G-O. let it go
0: sis (laughs) let it go oh my gosh that that that, shoot did we get to the worst or what because whatever you say you make everything sound you make everything sound so beautiful first of all you (laughs) know like it's well thought out you know what i'm saying and it's like it's like gym after gym after after gym baby i learned a lot read this book i'm trying to tell y'all that's what i'm saying that's why i'm like even reading a book you know what i'm saying and talking about the different scenarios like everything is just worded so beautifully you know but 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 yet relatable like understanding like okay yep mm-hmm, that yeah but it's you just have a way with words liz i think
1: i'm trying to learn how to use them more verbally
0: yes yes communication skills we just talked about you uh acquiring and doing better at <laughs> so far so good my friend so speaking of this book with writing the book did you have to how was the experience having to refer back to old relationships in order to write from that place now i understand that not all the stories are, you know, directly your experiences, you know, you may have used other people's experiences or your imagination, but I'm sure you had to pull from a place of something to get, you know, these things out.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you two things. Uh, the first part is that the majority of these books, I mean, poems, sorry, um, actually was written in the moment. So mm. the oldest poem in the book is from when I was 14 years old. Oh, wow. Um, so love and relationships have literally always been my muse for creative writing. Um, so not just relationships with significant others, but anything that's going on in my life. You know, um, I was one of those little girls who wrote in journals and diaries and stuff like that. You know, um, so some of their poems actually wasn't written in real time. Oh, wow. And then we talk about referring back to or pulling uh, inspiration from things that happened in the past. I'll tell you what's crazy. Um, Some of the poems that I wrote in kind of looking back at situations that happened, it was difficult to relive some moments. And I would be in the middle of writing something and have to stop because it was like, whoa, that's heavy right there. And then I was not able to finish it until it's kind of like one of those... Purging moments where it was like, okay, I'm completely over this. So, you know, I think when we were talking before, I was telling you how I felt like this book was a graveyard for my relationships. Yes. Um, for those past relationships. And it's because, like I said, some of these poems were written in the moment, like a a journal or diary entry type of situation. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like I can bur bury all of those feelings. I can bury all of those moments, I don't have to take them with me anymore,
0: like, I can let them go. Yes. Did you cry at all while you were doing these things, going through (laughs) these emotions? Um,
1: not, not really, there's only one poem in that book where I, no, I didn't cry writing it. Okay. But, because I was in a really good space. But I do cry when I read it. Like, I, like, sometimes I pass the page when I'm about to. <laughs> when it comes
2: oh, wow. Up.
1: And that's because it was going to be my vows. Oh, my God. I and I can never, ever. I think I maybe read. reading. I read. What am I trying to say? I think I've read the poem twice without crying. So mm. I don't go there. I'm like, what the hell am I crying for? But it's a really, really good poem. And so sometimes when someone who's close to me reads the book, I'll say, can you guess which
0: one it is? Ooh, ooh, (laughs) I'm over here like, I'm wondering if it's, um, I have an idea, but it's probably not right. I'm gonna have to go through. I'm going to have to go through, because I'm going to have to, and I'm going to text you and tell you which one I think it is. I can think of two, but I don't know if those are right, and I have to go back and read those. Yeah, but I didn't really do too much crying on
1: this book. Now, there is another book that I'm writing, um, that I started writing, kind of based off, of, like loosely based off of situation. I started writing that book, and I was trying to write, I'm like, whoa, That's a little deep. Can't, uh, let me revisit that when I'm ready to type of situation. So,
0: yeah. I can only relate to that. And I ask that because, you know, I have my blog and sometimes I have to write in the moment for me to continue to feel that emotion so that when I'm typing it, the reason why I'm typing it for somebody else to be able to to read it and relate to it, I have to like write in that moment and remember how I feel what happened right then and then kind of go back and like, you know, maneuver it, but reading it, you know, I can relate to reading it and having emotions, you know, come back from that situation. So good to know. I'm sure writing a book about love, Mm -hmm. I was curious to know if that, you know, same thing happened for you. And, and even just thinking the fact that you said that these, were you know from different parts of your life you know from your journals and your diary and things like that so how did you even come up with the plan or idea to put it into an actionable step to create a book and how long did this take you um let's see so I think I decided for sure it was about
1: 24 or 25 that was there was a period of time that I had stopped talking to or dealing with anybody. Uh, like I stopped dating for a second between 24 and 25. I I just was kind of tired. Um, I was just like, you know what? I need a break. And so, um, I kind of was looking and, and I saw that I had all of this material mm. and I was like, this can be a book. And, um, but I was kind of fearful of putting my work out for display. Yes. And I think, I can't remember which one came first, but I started up an Instagram page first, I think. And I was like, let me see if I can get some some readers.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: then around the summertime, one of my best friends went to the Navy Reserve. And while she was in boot camp, you know, she knew uh, a couple of my friends that were close to me, I would send them poems and stuff to kind of critique. And I sent her poems, and she was like, uh, can, "You know, can you send me poems and stuff to read?" And she started sharing those poems with the people in boot camp with her, and wow. so she started, you know, um, mailing me letters saying they are in love with your poems, and we're over here having like group discussions about it. Can you send us some more? So I started sending her more and more poems, and they were like going crazy about it. So I was like okay, this needs to be a book then, you know, so basically the fact that strangers were cheering me on, it helped me come out of this fear that people would not be open to the material. So between, you know, her letting people read it and the Instagram page, I kind of, you know, little by little, I was, I was coming out of the fear, the fear zone. Yeah. And then, um, but still, I was still hesitant Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until I think the end of 2018 that I told myself, okay, stop playing around. Um, You're going to get this book out. And I always wanted it to be published on Valentine's day. So all of 2019, I dedicated all of my extra time and my resources
2: to getting the book done.
0: Oh my gosh. That is so exciting. Yeah. And, you know, you find, I mean, the fact that, like you said, like you started, you had the, you had the tools, you had everything that you needed, but it sounds like you were lacking the confidence to go ahead and put those things into actions. But, and so you started with someone close to you and kind of like got their feedback and, and here we are. You know, just from just from validation, again, like you said, from strangers. <laughs> really? I just finished talking to someone about this because, um, you know, when you go out on a limb and you start something new, you kind of expect the support of your friends or your family or because you kind of need that validation because you know that those people know you and they, you know, care about you. And so you kind of want to start there. But well, some people don't have that luxury, you know, or that friend or someone who they can, you know, start off with, start sending things to, and they are just out here having gems or, you know, having gems, like you had the gems of your journal and your diary, and they just sitting on it and they don't know what to do. Yeah. What, what advice would you give someone who... Don't have, you know, a support system or I guess a friend that they could start with, knowing what you know now, you know, after you got the confidence, what would you even say to Liz back then who was afraid to, you know, tell anybody about what she was doing?
2: Honestly, now that I have, you know, done this, I would just say,
1: even if you don't have anybody close to you, social media is there for a reason. Um, you know, it's there for the networking. You know, a lot of people, you know, enjoy the memes and the funny parts, which I love it, you know. Yeah. But I've tapped into a whole world of poets and authors and writers and editors and publishers. And these people this community of people who i do not know have tips to share they will you know critique if you need to review if you need to i don't know these people but are open to sharing with you anything um there was this guy actually that i followed and he was one of the people that i reached out to and was not he was not uh, um you know against Sending me all of the resources that he used to publish his own book. Now, I didn't necessarily follow his same format, but he didn't didn't have to do that, you know, and he didn't have to share any of his resources. But I would just say, you know, anybody who feels like I don't have anybody to support me, use social media and the internet not just for scrolling and looking at the latest gossip, but for Your own ability to tap more into your passion, your niche, to find your army of readers, or you know, if you are in a different market, there are people who are looking for you. Yes. And I would say, you know, it's gonna. Sometimes you're gonna be afraid, and like me, somebody was like, you know, you don't seem like you're fearful or whatever. I'm like, girl, I don't did so much stuff in my life with fear. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I went ahead and did. You know, that's that's the difference. It's like I may not have been 100% confident when I stepped out there, but I said, "Forget it. I'm gonna jump out there." And um that's
0: I think that's the best advice I can give. For sure. And that's very valuable advice because if you would have just kept your poems in your diary and your journal and didn't even think to go to social media to even be seen, you know, or, or post your work so that other people can see it so that you can kind of get that validation and get the courage to even reach out to somebody in your same fields or industry to inquire about how they did something because everybody's not going to be lucky and find a guy like that. You know, things like that I feel like are divine and that's God, you know, rewarding you for stepping out on faith. And doing what it is that you're supposed to be doing, and that's like validation because people don't definitely don't give resources for free out here on social media, everybody trying to sell something mm-hmm. but even but if you never even done that, you sometimes you you do have to do things in fear and reach out to people because you never know. Who you know God has waiting to give you information like that so that you can you know do what it is that you got to do.
2: Yep. Yeah.
1: Also, too, I'll say one other thing: you can't get followers and nobody can see your stuff if you have a private page. <laughs> I was this guy who told me that when I first started out. He was like a younger a younger camp I work with. He was like, Liz, how's
0: anybody going to see your
1: stuff with a private page? Exactly. <laughs> and I was like, well, I don't know. And he, and he made me, <laughs> we were at work one day. He made me take my page off private. So that's another thing to put out there to make your page open.
0: Yes. I tell my the people in my community that all the time because they when they promote meetups and they're like, oh, nobody's, you know, contact. I'm like, because your page is private. Can't nobody see it. Ain't nobody see it. Definitely to get visibility on social media, amongst other things, you definitely, for one, have to have a public page. And I've been seeing you posting and you've been getting people to um, interact with you, with your uh, book club, you know, people sharing their favorite parts of the book with the world. And, you know, in your book, you talk about a bunch of different, Uh, Greek love I'm calling them Greek love languages but you know their definitions which Greek definition of love is your favorite and why
1: um
0: you know that's funny
1: because I've been asking everybody else this but exactly (laughs) that's why (laughs) I asked you (laughs) I have not shared this with anybody else I didn't even think about it um but if I had to choose one I think i would say philia which is deep friendship mm-hmm. um and i will say that because i think me personally any relationship of importance for myself has always started out as a friendship and looking back i can say any relationship <laughs> that crashed and burned was more so based on lust from the get-go mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, i can look back and say that like i can literally pinpoint and I can say, oh, we weren't friends, that's why. Um, but <laughs> 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 but I'm not friends with all of my exes, but I do know if I can at least speak to one of my exes, like if I can be like, hey, what's up? I can, those people, we were probably had some type of, um, you know, we were associates or friends. But if I can't do that, I can guarantee you, we probably weren't friends first.
0: Mm-hmm. That definitely goes back to what you said about, you know, relationships when we first started talking, you mentioned friendships. I love that. I love that type of love too. That's like the ideal love that we see in uh movies like love and basketball. You know, you grow up with someone, y'all friends, you fall in love. That's how I thought like my my life would be. <laughs> like I, I never imagined it any other way. And yeah. the- the fact that you know you're being conscious of that and you know making that a thing, I think that's definitely like a safe bet.
1: Yeah, but you know what, Tia, I don't, I don't think that I've ever made it a thing on purpose. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like it just happened that way, and I think it's because I know some people are not with the zodiacs, but I am. Yeah, uh, but I'm not a. I mean, you know me. I'm not just a very open person anyway.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and it's kind of like one of those things when I meet you, I'm like observing you from afar, like trying to see, are we going to even have some type of connection? And so I think the same thing just um, organically happens when it comes to me and friends and relationships. So I can meet somebody and not even look at them in a way like, oh, one day we're going to be together. I can Mm just be like cool with them and then all of a sudden
0: one day wake up and be like, wait a minute, I like Think I like you. Oh my gosh, that's even better, that's even better. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had to make any kind of sacrifices or adjustments? Um, In your transition into becoming an author and now, you know, having your own publishing company, how, what did that transition look like? Just Um, that. Yeah,
1: I think some of the adjustments have been to be more intentional about my time
2: Mm -hmm. and my money. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Specifically when it comes to um like scheduling things and how much time do i want to spend on um you know working on this week do i want to how much time do you want to spend on preparing for your marketing how much time do you want to spend on editing books for others this week um Mm -hmm. like i said being intentional about my time um, because before having all of these other responsibilities it's kind of like go to work come home do whatever you want to do um, now I have other things on my plate, and um, you know, and then also thinking about creating uh, or writing other books now.
0: Like I literally have to be more um... planning. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> have to. You also work full time, so you know, juggling yeah. that and that. Yes, ma'am. And even scheduling time to just rest.
1: You know. <laughs> yes. I wrote something last night. And I was saying, it's so weird because with this quarantine, I think I'm so used to coming and going, traveling, being somewhere doing something. My mind is like, what are we doing? Why are <laughs> we sitting here? You're supposed to be somewhere doing something. And so, even this extra time of being able to rest, sometimes I have to calm down and say, it's okay not to do anything today. You know? Yes, um, for sure. I just have to be more intentional with my time. And then when I say money wise, it's just like I just want to make sure that I'm making investments that will, um, you know, matter in the long run for me, business wise.
0: Okay. All right. Well, this is a good time to take a short break. We got to pay some bills. So we'll be right back. Hey, girl. Hey. This podcast is sponsored by the Millennial Wives Club. We are a community of supportive women who just so happen to be millennial wives, hence the name. We are actually more than just wives. We are mothers, we are bosses, we are friends, we are leaders in our community, daughters, sisters, and so much more. Despite the name, the Millennial Wives Club, you do not have to be a wife to join the club. But you do have to aspire to be a wife. If you are a woman who has a passion for connecting and supporting like-minded women, looking for a tribe to remind you that you are not alone, and don't mind going places with strangers who turn into sister friends, join us. Just go to the website, themillennialwivesclub.com slash join the club for more details on how to join your local chapter or how to start your own. All right, girl, we'll see you then. Now let's get back into the show. All right, we are back. Um, So Liz, we've talked about your experiences with love. We've talked about, you know, this wonderful book you have. Um, What advice do you have to the woman who is experiencing the type of love you talk about in your poem, Sour Patch Kids? where you have someone you have great chemistry with, but they aren't necessarily good for you. How can this woman leave that person alone?
1: (laughs) That's funny. Um, So that poem, I actually named that poem that because that was the nickname that I gave the person that I wrote the poem for. And um, so I will be honest with you, the inspiration came because I was actually in my playing round days, and so it's, mm-hmm. it's, funny. Mm-hmm. it's funny that you asked me, you know, the question about how to you that person alone? Because that person actually left me alone. Oh wow! <laughs> yeah,
0: I, I was doing too much playing, but I'll tell you. <laughs> so you you were the the uh, the wrong one in this case. Yeah, kinda, kinda, yeah, I'll admit it. But uh, I'll tell you, I
1: think it's important for anybody to realize some things and some people are just for seasons or flings or fun. But if you know you're just trying to have a good time or you're not looking for something serious, and they are, or if it's vice versa, you know, if if they feel that way, leave it alone if it gets too heavy. And I'll go even further to say, don't even get involved from the jump if you don't have the emotional capacity to just play around mm. uh, either one or two people you hear me one or two people right i get hurt and that's just real so
0: i'll say that that is real that's good advice well overall what do you want people to know about love And what do you want them to get from your book, from reading your book that they can pick up at Amazon today? I'll make sure I link it in my show notes. Yes, ma'am. Appreciate that. Um, I want
1: people to know that if you get to experience love, enjoy it. Um, You can't control what the next person does. You have to decide if you're going to extend trust, grace, and forgiveness. You get to decide the things you can put up with and what you want. It's all on you. Um, Love is a beautiful feeling, loving somebody that loves you back. But don't stick around too long in a situation that's not serving you or where you deserve better. Lastly, romantic love isn't the only type of love. So if you have friends and family who love you unconditionally, cherish them. If you're waiting on your Prince Charming or your bride-to-be, love on the folks that's around you. Hell, love on yourself so you can be ready to love somebody fully when it is your time
0: to be in that relationship. That's that's, that's real. That's good. That was beautiful, Liz. (laughs) Beautiful. Like I said, everything you say, (laughs) you word so beautifully. And I just want to say thank you for coming on to the show. Damn. and dropping all these gems i'll try all right guys this is the end until next time thank you guys for tuning in to the show see you next time thanks for having me no problem Well, all right, friends, that's all I got. Until next time, thank you for tuning in to Women in Transition. I am your host, Tia Davidson. I hope you enjoyed the show. For show notes and submission of questions, please visit www.accordingtotia.com. But before you do that, can you do me a favor and subscribe to the podcast? And while you're there, leave a rating and a review on iTunes. I would really appreciate your feedback and your support and if you're not already following me at According to Tia or at the Millennial Wise Club, you are missing out. I'll catch you on the next episode. Bye! To step out of my comfort zone, am not afraid See, I don't want block what God has for me Watching what I feed my mind, good energy Good energy And I let go the people that's no good for me See, them am it, that I can do it, yep, I can make it I'm an entrepreneur with integrity I like nothing and I ain't no sense of jealousy I ain't gotta
2: apologize oh, for me. these are I'm lives that I can be proud of And it's my time